Hi, welcome to our latest Shoe Speak HR episode. Um, I've got the two Amys with me today, Amy Leach and Amy Anderson. Uh, we are continuing our back to basics on, on various HR topics and processes. Um, today, we're going to look at how to manage sickness absence. Um, it is an overview rather than an in-depth discussion on this because otherwise we could well take up half a day or so in terms of all the issues that that potentially flow from sickness absence um but we're going to talk today about you know kind of sickness absence itself and employees right to sick leave and sick pay uh, and how employers should on a high level manage absence um so amy anderson do you want to kick us off by explaining the the right to sick leave and sick pay the contract of employment, as ever, is a really important place to start. So that will set out that the employee isn't required to attend work if they're actually not fit enough to work. And it will also set out any contractual sick pay entitlements. Um, contractual sick pay entitlements tend to take various different forms. They can be you'll get X amount for the first for the first few weeks of your, your sickness. It can be you just get a couple of days. It can be you get how many weeks full pay, a few weeks half pay. It can make it um, conditional upon you having achieved a certain level of service with an organisation. So it really, really is important to look at the contractual position because that will set out um, contractual sick pay, sick pay entitlements. What I should also add on that, add on to that, however, is that there isn't an obligation on a business to pay anything in addition to statutory sick pay. So it may be the case that, that a business doesn't actually pay, pay any enhanced company sick pay, so to speak. So that's that's why the contract is important. Um, there is an express statutory right to sick pay, and that's called statutory sick pay. Um, this is subject to certain conditions. So um, generally to get to qualify for SSP, a worker must satisfy three conditions. They must be classed as an employee, e.g. by way of a contract of employment. Um, they must have done some work for the employer. They must earn an average of at least, I think it's around £123 per week, so, so not all that much. And they must have been ill for at least four days in a row, which includes non-working days. So if an employee meets these three conditions, they are entitled to to receive a weekly statutory sick pay payment for up to 28 weeks in any period of incapacity for work. So that is the entitlement to SSP. It is worth noting that in order to receive the SSP, employees must provide the appropriate notification to their employer and they must submit evidence of their incapacity to work. That is generally the case for company sick pay as well. Generally, company sick pay policies will say that you need to submit appropriate medical information and evidence of your capacity before you will be um, able to receive the enhanced sick pay. So again, something worth looking out for in, in, in the contract of employment. Thanks, Amy. Amy Leach, wide question this for you, but <laughs> how should uh, employers manage employee sickness absence? Mm, that is a very wide question, which we get asked quite a lot by clients. Um, I'm looking comes... forward to knowing how you're yeah. going to answer this in the next like, few minutes. Well, <laughs> it depends. Like, um, so, Normally, it's advisable, and I think, again, this goes back to real back to basics, a bit similar to your point, Amy, of going back to the contract, is an employer having an effective policy in place as a starting point. So that will help employers deal with absences uh, consistently, effectively, but it also informs employees normally in this policy as to the standards of attendance that's expected by them, um, usually might have some form of process of how they report their sickness. So it gives you that framework, really, to work with by having that effective absence policy in place. 
Um, when an employee first calls in sick, uh, most situations it's appropriate to ask the employee for the reason for their absence, uh, likely date of return. The information um, will help you as the employer determine the likely impact of the absence. Is it more likely to be short term or is it actually going to turn into more of a long term absence? And again, your approach to managing different types of absence will depend on the nature of the absence and what it's for. Um, an employer normally will want evidence from the employee of their incapacity to work so you, they can self-certify for an absence of seven calendar days or less. Um, but a doctor's certificate or fit note will be needed for those longer term absences. Um, and again, I suppose it's important for employers um, to to maintain that contact and communication. I think sometimes, particularly if somebody's on a longer term sick leave, employers are a bit worried about checking in or feel like, if we, are we checking in too much or we don't want to put a burden on the employee? But then you find some go the complete other way and just don't talk to them for however many months and then decide, actually, this person's now um, potentially not coming back. What do we do? And it's just a bit awkward and it doesn't really put the employer in a great position. So I think having that contact and agreeing that with the employees and having that factored into your processes will will be helpful. Um, and I think it's getting that balance. It's that balance between demonstrating concern, offering support, but also maintaining that distance so that you're not pressuring the employee to return to work if they truly are not ready to and they are poorly. I think where you've got employees who are absent um, for a long period of time um, or you've got those employees that regularly take short breaks of sickness absence, potentially for the same condition, um, it's encouraging them to update you following any change in their condition um, and also being mindful as to whether their condition, I guess, could be considered a disability um, under the, the Equality Act because, again, you'd need to have some wider considerations around that to make sure you're not discriminating. Uh, the only thing, sorry, the Go only on. thing I was going to add to that is part of kind of your managing employee sickness absence strategy, and it ties in with what you've said about kind of the levels of contact and things, um, is about having like good training for managers on mm. on these kind of issues so they're actually empowered to to really go through the process and know what it is that they're doing and not like you not like you say be worried that they're contacting them too much be worried that they're not contacting them enough just so, to make sure that they're comfortable with the process that kind of your first your first line management are, re are really comfortable with the procedures that you've got in place and I know that's that's commonly something that we get asked to by training on yeah. at Shoesmiths for sure because it is a really important part of kind of the overall strategy. And I think just to add on that quickly, I think as well in this new kind of, I say new, it's been around a little bit now, but hybrid working world as well. Managing sickness absence is actually probably more tricky in some instances now, especially if you're the manager's not seeing the employee every day face to face. It's how you manage that and kind of have that communication with them. Um, but yeah, no, great point about about the training. No, agreed. And I, and I think, you know, kind of fast forward, Sickness absence, hopefully you don't get there, but there are two types of individuals when bringing an employment tribunal claim following um, you know, sickness periods. One is I was left, I was ignored, they didn't want to know me anymore because I was poorly. The other is they just inundated me, they harassed me when they knew that I was poorly and I was not able to work. So kind of having that framework and agreeing um, the level of contact is is key to, to make sure that those two types of individuals don't turn up at a tribunal. Um, or if they do, you can point to, well, this was agreed, so how can that be harassment? Or this was agreed, how can we say that that's you being ignored? Um, so yeah, that, that's that's really key to um, managing sickness absence. Um, another 
option available to organizations and one that is often taken up is is the use of occupational health um, services so they can assist organizations with with workplace assessments or adjustments um, because where somebody is disabled there is an obligation to uh, put in place reasonable adjustments and and by having occupational health involved um, you can look to put in place those adjustments and make sure that you know, kind of the the individual when they come back to work um, are not going to be going straight off sick again to to allow them to to ultimately build up their ability to work within the organisation. So whether that's a short term or long term adjustment that's needed, we certainly have a previous episode that we recorded um, on the benefits of occupational health advisors. Um, you will be able to see that on our website, um, but that, that's one we did with Latest Health, and they they were talking about how important it is to to actually provide all the information, and you know not just copy and paste referral forms. So I, I would kind of point you to that to the extent that you do need to to engage occupational health services. Um, in addition to that, when when individuals come back to work, always sensible to have a return to work interview. Um, you know, kind of to Amy's point, whether that's virtual or in person, a manager can sit down with that individual and, and kind of find out how they are, how they're feeling, you know, kind of what, if any, adjustments the individual believes are needed, um, you know, kind of whether a phase return to work is, is sensible or not. And that having that formal framework also allows you to, to keep a record of somebody's absence to make sure that they the individual knows if they're coming up to any kind of trigger points so that you can say look any more periods of absence then you know kind of it may well start a formal capability process um and 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 have that conversation in a safe space where people expect it that's the culture that's the norm you know the individuals don't feel like they're being singled out or picked on because you know kind of they're, they're having to explain themselves for being absent so you know kind of having that formal process having that framework um just allows all managers to to handle what is often sensitive and, and delicate issues you know kind of when somebody's been off off sick um you know kind of there, there are often things that need to be discussed so yeah, quick whistle stop tour there of, you know, back to basics, refreshes on sickness absence. Um, so thank you for listening. Um, if anybody wants to reach out, wants to get in touch, wants to make suggestions for future episodes, please don't hesitate to do so. Uh, the best method of contacting us is by email to shoespeakhr at shoesmiths.com. So thanks again for listening. Thanks, Amy's. Thanks, guys. Okay.